do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky over-the-counter or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hopkins with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals. Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farm's liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Today's guest is integrative cardiologist and wellness expert, Dr. Vivian Caminos. Uh, she's an MD. She's a board-certified cardiologist. Uh, kind of a rare confluence because, well, there are not that many integrative cardiologists in the U.S. Uh, a lot of cardiologists, uh, you know, they've invested a lot of time and effort in becoming cardiologists. Uh, it's lucrative. They've got an earn a living. Uh, they're not going to go that extra mile to take a, a fellowship course uh, in another state at the University of Arizona uh, to become an integrative cardiologist, which is what you did, right? That's right. That's right. I did it out of necessity, and I was called to it. I really believe that, you know, the same way I was called to cardiology when my first month in the intensive care unit in the CCU as an intern, I absolutely loved it. And now I love integrative cardiology and integrative medicine. So it's it's reinvigorated your uh, approach to patients. And I, you know, I think that's one of the nice things about integrative medicine is that, unfortunately, there's a very high degree of uh, physician burnout these days. Uh, doctors are, are feeling very beleaguered. Uh, they're confronted with all kinds of new uh, requirements, regulations, strictures, electronic mm-hmm. medical records. Uh, they fight with insurance companies mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, they uh, often uh, are not self-employed. Uh, they work for uh, big uh, HMOs or hospital chains. Uh, there's a lot of uh, regulations about how they can practice, uh, what tests they can order, what medications even they can prescribe. And there's not a lot of time to, to talk about diet and lifestyle. They, many of them have to see, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 patients a day. Uh, I think one of the thing, nice things about integrated practice, certainly from my standpoint, perhaps yours, is that uh, we can really connect with patients. We can really have a transformative effect on on patients and not just put Band-Aids on, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it also heals us. I'm I'm convinced of that because when you see somebody, you know, looking more alive and they have a light in them as they walk out of the office and they they look better than when they came in, that that makes me feel good. It makes me feel proud and happy and uh, we're doing good work. Yeah, that's why we got into this after all. So uh, let's uh, look at the, the, I guess it's the big elephant in the room when it comes to cardiology, is what diet do you recommend? Because on the one hand, you have the, <laughs> you know, the, the uh, very low fat acolytes, you know, uh, you know, eliminate the fat, you know, like Dean Ornish says, and you know, you'll, you'll melt away <laughs> your plaque. And then you have the people on the very other, on the opposite end of the spectrum who say, 
uh, you know, it's not fat that's the culprit, it's carbohydrates. So, you know, dwindle <laughs> down your carbohydrates, get a very low carbohydrate diet, maybe a ketogenic diet, a paleo diet. Uh, that's the answer. Right. So where do, you, where do you stand on that? Because that's a conundrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've learned so much over the years about nutrition. And what I, I've learned only one thing that um, is probably going to be true besides death and taxes, right, is that one diet does not fit all. Okay, so different and, strokes for you know, different I folks. ran yeah. Absolutely, you know, and I ran the uh, Dr. Dean Ornish program for heart disease reversal um, I followed it for a while. I, I personally cannot be on a low fat vegan diet. I don't feel well on it. Right. Some of the patients that went through the program did fantastic. Others didn't. You know, I'd see their triglycerides go up. And again, it, 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 it comes down to not just what they're doing, sitting and eating. It comes down to their genetics, the rest of their lifestyle. And, um, I think we could also agree besides the fact that one, uh, one diet doesn't fit all. And by the way, I don't give my patients diets. What I do is I take a three-day food history from them. Uh, I have them fill everything out that they eat and drink. We sit down together. We see what it is that they're eating that is not nutritionally sound. Um, and I ask them if there's a way they could drop that. And then we try to add more uh, uh, highly nutritious uh, food. So um, you know, I, I do like the Mediterranean diet. Um, for certain people, I think a, um, uh, a mild ketogenic diet is better, especially if they have, uh, uh, you know, metabolic problems like diabetes, obesity. So again, I don't give one diet to people. We, I sit down and, and work with them. Um, if they've had genomics testing where we know that maybe they shouldn't be having saturated fat because if they have saturated fat, they're going to have more abdominal adiposity. Um, if we know that they need more choline, if they, if we find out other specifics, I may sit down and, and talk to them about it, but then I have them work with a, uh, an integrative nutritionist that I work with because I don't know as much as this nutritionist, right. uh, in terms of what foods can actually give them what they need. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's a great question. I don't know if I've answered it, but it's this wonderful question because I don't think that anybody can say this is the only diet that should be, that should be, uh, followed. There's, there's certain, uh, principles that we should follow. Uh, we should get rid of processed food. We should get rid of, uh, uh, heavy metals and, and pesticides and herbicides in our food. Uh, because we know that they increase heart disease and um, we should, uh, if we're going to eat meat, and I personally, you know, you, you, you saw my big fat Greek wedding. Did you see that movie? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, well, I don't eat meat. I eat lamb. Okay, so I eat lamb, you know, and I do <laughs> eat red meat, but I make sure. I make sure that it's organic, that it's grass-fed, and I don't eat it that often because I don't desire it that often. You know, when I was pregnant, I needed to eat meat every day, and I couldn't even smell fish. My body was telling me, yeah. stay away from fish, but yeah. you need you need the iron or something, or I needed yeah. something that was in the red meat. Right. So everybody's different. We have to stay away from sugar, stay away from processed food, buy organic when you can, eat more plants. And, you know, the general rule of thumb is if you can't kill it or pick it, don't eat it. You know, so... um, 
there, there isn't one good diet for people. I think we killed ourselves with, you know, high sugar, with the high carbohydrate diets with, of the past. With the ersatz, the low fat foods, you know, because the food industry got the message. They said, hey, this stuff is marketable. We put, we've created fat phobia for people. And right. so we just put a low fat label on all our products and people just go to town. I mean, it's sort of like that, uh, if you remember the Seinfeld episode of the low fat yogurt, that's a famous episode of Seinfeld, classic episode <laughs> where, uh, you know, George uh, Costanza and, and, uh, you know, the whole gang, uh, they're realizing that they're just, they discover the low fat yogurt. They're all getting fat. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> that's right. That's right. So because they go to the Department of Consumer one, Affairs. They right. want to meet with the mayor because, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> I got to watch that now. Yeah, but it's a classic you, episode. When, you know, when you get rid of one macronutrient, right? We have three macronutrients, fat, protein, and uh, carbohydrates. When you get rid of one, what do you replace it with? Yeah. So, you know, it's got to have mouthfeel and appeal. To, to, yeah. Right, right, right. So, and we don't sit down and eat macronutrients. That's the other thing when you read all these nutrition studies, you know, they're, they concentrate on, on single foods or single macronutrients. When we sit down, we don't sit down and eat a fat or a carbohydrate. We sit down and we eat food. And the other thing I, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I mean, I remember when I would drive to emergencies from one hospital to another, and I'd be sitting there scarfing down a tuna fish sandwich in my Volvo driving 60 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. while I'm eating. I yeah. mean, so is that... And that actually may have transformed the nutritional value of the food is the exactly. setting in which you eat, the rate at which you consume the food. If you're exactly. adrenalized while you're eating, I mean, that, that is, all those factors are these ineffable, these ineffable factors uh, are right. measured in a, in a, you know, calorie bomb in a university laboratory. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So nutrition's a, a tough, um, you know, it's a tough thing. And yet there's certain guiding principles that we all should be following. And, uh, you know, I went back to the way my yaya uh, raised me, you know, with eating a Mediterranean diet because I'm Greek. So, you know, works for me. Um, right. So, so that's good. So Vivian, the, the other you know, I notice, uh, you know, it's, the room is, 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 is pretty stuffy because there's another elephant in the room and that is statins and our, our relentless drive <laughs> to lower cholesterol. And I can't tell you how many patients uh, come to me for a second opinion on statins. Now, let me tell you that, you know, presumably you, like me, are not inalterably opposed to statins. We recognize that they have a role to play, uh, that there are studies that suggest that statins may have a beneficial effect in terms of protecting against cardiovascular disease. But what I do find is they are applied indiscriminately to so many people. The default for doctors is, oh, your cholesterol is a little high. Yeah, I might as well go to a statin. What do you do when confronted with uh, that <laughs> dilemma? You see a lot of patients, presumably, they're seeing you precisely because you're an integrative cardiologist. Tell me it ain't so, Dr. Caminos. Right. I don't need to be on a That's statin. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, a lot of times, so... Uh, and maybe not a lot of times, I, I'll sit there and I'll say to them at the end of the hour and a half long visit that we have as a first consult, you really should take the statin because the benefit is going to outweigh the risk and it'll decrease your risk for a heart attack and stroke. So statins are really great drugs when they're used appropriately. And, and I think you'll agree with me on that, you know. But the problem is, I agree with you, they're used indiscriminately. And I, I once heard 
not more than once, her doctors say, take the statin and you could go out and eat whatever you want and yep. do whatever you want. And that's one of the worst and aspects of that. It re removes the moral terrible. hazard of eating badly yeah, or not exercising. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely terrible. So when used appropriately, I agree with uh, statin. And what's interesting, what happens to my patients, you know, when I sit down, I've spent an hour and a half going through all their risks. If I say to them, you don't need a statin or you do need a, a statin, they tend to respect that a little more than if a prescription is just, you know, uh, yeah. thrown at them after a five-minute visit. So what I like to do is look at all the risks. You know, we have these um, uh, ASCVD 10-year risk tools that we use in cardiology. Yeah, but um, I find that those good. sometimes those, they stack the deck. You know, it's like I, I apply myself to those and they go, well, you're, you're a male, you're over 60, you're, you have a family <laughs> history of heart disease, and my cholesterol's a little high. They, you know, they don't really pay attention to my HDL, which is very good. They don't ask whether I exercise, you know, what my weight is, none of that. That's and then they say, oh, you might as well be in a statin, you know. That's exactly what I, where I was going next. You know, they don't look at some of our non-traditional uh, risk factors that uh, can say you really shouldn't be on a statin or you should be on a statin. You know, if, if I knew what was going to happen to my husband back in 2004, I would have put him on a statin before it. And maybe he wouldn't have had, maybe he wouldn't have had the blockage. Mm -hmm. However, he had none of the traditional risk factors. So, you know, when I sit down with some, somebody, you know, one thing we haven't talked about that much is stress, you know, psychosocial illness yep. and stress. Yep. You know, we, we, looking at the interheart study that looked at over 20,000, you know, acute MIs that came in, uh, those that had the highest stress and were most depressed that that accounted for a third of all heart attacks. So it's as strong a risk factor as, you know, diabetes or right. smoking. Depression really um, is a silent killer. I mean, it, it won't just depress you. It, it will actually cause inflammatory changes throughout your body. Absolutely. And and, and your mental health is, is, effect, is going to affect your cognitive health. Um, and, you know, if you, if you do have heart disease and you're depressed, it's, doubles your risk for having an event in the next couple of years. So, and, you know, there's, there's work stress. These tools don't take into account, you know, the fact that you're exercising, that you're healthy, that otherwise uh, they don't take in the fact of what, what you're eating, you know. Suppose you're staying away from environmental toxins and you're eating well. Um, and finally, you know, I, I'd like to just briefly talk about, you know, sex-specific risk factors because, um, you know, I was trained that heart disease is a man's disease. Yep. Um, and we know that there's, you know, some sex-specific risk factors for heart disease. You know, breast cancer, cancer treatments themselves can increase the risk. Pregnancy complications, almost all pregnancy complications increase the like risk for cardiometabolic for example, disease. That's a classic. Yeah. Gestational diabetes. Yep. Being overweight and not losing your weight after pregnancy. Do you know we're the only country, the only so-called civilized country where uh, mortality, maternal mor mortality has actually increased over the last 10 years? In all other countries, it's gone down. And, you know, the, what's driving this, this mortality is cardiometabolic disease in young women. And young women don't know that they're at risk for heart disease. In fact, when they took a survey of all women that were older, only about 50% realized that heart disease is their major killer. 
And when they look at young women, hardly anybody, uh, you know, pregnant, either in high school or um, uh, women that are uh, in, you know, their pregnancy age, they, they don't realize that heart disease is a woman's disease. And uh, what I've been doing is going around and lecturing in the community to try to increase awareness. But even some doctors don't realize that heart disease kills more women than all cancers put together. Okay, folks, at this point, let's pause and allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this important message with you. Here it goes. Did you know that olive oil is at its peak of flavor and nutrition right after it's fresh pressed at harvest time? That's why my favorite olive oil is delivered to me direct from the latest harvest, thanks to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and as a listener of Intelligent Medicine, you can try a bottle of their finest artisanal olive oil, normally $39, for just $1 with no obligation to buy anything else. I've been enjoying these harvest fresh olive oils for years. They are far and away the brightest, most lively, and flavorful olive oils I've ever tasted. Their antioxidants and polyphenols are off the charts because they're fresh from the harvest. They make store-bought olive oils taste dull and flat by comparison. Taste for yourself. Check out this generous trial offer and get your $39 bottle for a buck with no obligation to buy anything else. Visit MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. In my case, it truly is. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our guest, Dr. Vivian Caminos. What's your take on the, the coronary artery calcification score as helping us understand the impact of all these risk factors? You know, so for example, I see women who have cholesterol that's sky high. It's 300, it's 320, uh, and higher. And yet when we do coronary artery calcification, uh, scoring with an EBT heart scan or an ultrafast CAT scan, mm-hmm. uh, they have zero score or single digit numbers, uh, which really suggests that their risk of cardiovascular disease is remote. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I use calcium scoring in addition to functional capacity on stress testing to better risk stratify my patients, especially if I you know, we're not really sure which way to go. Do we do we give them medications or, or not? And I like using uh, calcium scores. So if somebody has a calcium score of zero, just, you know, it sort of gives you, it, it not 100% guaranteed, but a pretty good prognosis that you're not going to have a cardiovascular event over the next five years. So, you know, it's it's, I think it's a great tool important to look at what are some when you're doing a comprehensive uh, screening uh, on a new page say somebody comes in and looks says i want soup to nuts you know i got a bad family history am i at risk what are some of the tests that you will perform well you know there's the standard test we can't overlook the nice thing about integrated medicine is that includes all your evidence-based good conventional approaches and adds to it uh, everything else <laughs> that also is evidence-based. So I use the typical screening tools of uh, lipid panels, uh, and I uh, also, you know, like to look at their thyroid function, their um, their insulin uh, and glucose function. Uh, I I but like because stress high tests. insulin and insulin resistance is a risk factor that sometimes not recognized. Absolute absolute risk factor, and and um, 
you know, so is, so is, uh, you know, subclinical hypothyroidism. Okay. And, uh, you know, one thing I've found that's a little discouraging is, you know, I had, I recently had a, a, a patient that came to me who's cold, who's gaining weight, who feels totally fatigued, who can't function. Her TSH was a little high and she was told, oh, everything's okay. Well, that's, yeah. TSH that's in that high so-called normal range is not good for her. So I did um, antibodies of her thyroid. I'm getting outside of the heart now because, you know, the heart is connected to the rest of the body, right? So (laughs) we didn't learn that in fellowship, but in any case, um, you know, I I did antibodies on her. I did an ultrasound. I found out that she has Hashimoto's thyroiditis and has, has, you know, two nodules that we're going to follow. I started her on, on thyroid replacement and talked to her about her diet, about exercise. And, you know, within a month, she's feeling better. Uh-huh. And, and you know, so I think one of the things that I do that's different uh, besides testing, I you know, and I could do all the tests in the world because that's how I was trained, is to actually sit and look at the patient and uh-huh. talk to them and touch them. And, and I think that's the most powerful thing we can do besides the C-reactive protein and the stress test yeah. and the echo and the halter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, awesome. yeah. and for men, uh, there's a, a controversy about the desirability of testosterone replacement. And, you know, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a hot and heavy controversy because it's said by some, you know, don't give men testosterone because that's what makes men more prone to cardiovascular disease in the first place. Women don't have it and they're protected. And yet there are studies that show that if you're an overweight, pre-diabetic, uh, man with a big belly and you're lethargic and you have no mojo uh, that giving a man testosterone actually will help their heart and uh, get them off the dime to exercise and do good stuff for themselves yeah and i think you know this is a double-edged sword because i don't think we really know i i recently had to review some of these studies because there was a uh, a case that i was asked to participate in a malpractice case and the guy was given uh, testosterone and it wound up that he had, you know, a heart attack, but he also had, you know, multiple other risk factors, including he was highly depressed. So, you know, I, I recently reviewed some of the data and I have to tell you, after I reviewed it, I didn't know which way to go. Yeah. I'll, I'll be totally honest. Yeah. I'm not sure that there's, that we know the right answer to it. Um, personally, I'm a little hesitant to uh, give testosterone. And then, you yeah, know, I don't maybe know. Maybe that's because you were maybe. sat in a courtroom where there was a lawsuit about it. <laughs> you're right. No, you're absolutely <laughs> you know, it right. It makes doctors now, risk averse, you know, because it's like, oh, absolutely. yeah, I mean, I could, they, I could maybe help this guy, but I don't want to get sued. Yeah, yeah. Or am I really helping? Am I not? I didn't even know. I, I don't know. Now, have you found that using genomics, did that change the way you're treating people with testosterone or has that come up at all? It, it doesn't speak so much to their uh, response to testosterone or lack thereof. However, you know, one of the things with the genomics is that we can see if folks have uh, risk factors for hypercoagulation, in other words, a higher risk of blood right. clots. And there, there might be a caution flag when we put women on hormone replacement therapy, uh, or men right. on, you know, testosterone, which is a form of hormone replacement therapy that might thicken the blood and put them at risk. Uh, what I find right. generally though is that, uh, when you use topical testosterone rather than oral testosterone, same thing with estrogen, uh, the risks are less for blood clots, and I haven't seen any problems. Uh, mm-hmm. so, 
Uh, I'm actually a proponent of testosterone for men with metabolic syndrome and cardiovascular disease. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and studies, you know, I think uh, if I had to you know, defend myself in a court of law, I'm not looking forward to that opportunity. <laughs> but I think I could muster a whole lot of studies, especially lately, that show uh, yeah, yeah. cardiovascular benefit. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, look, it's it's a fascinating uh, field, integrative cardiology. Uh, there's really a need for doctors like yourself, uh, Dr. Caminos, um, who uh, synthesize the best of high-tech medicine, the best of natural therapy. We call that intelligent medicine when it comes to cardiology. That's what you're practicing. So uh, give us some information about uh, your practice in West Long Branch, New Jersey. By the way, you see patients not just from locally from New Jersey. Do patients come to you from, uh, you know, uh, out of state? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because, like I said, there's only a handful of us in the country, and some of us aren't even in practice, you know, seeing patients. Uh, some of the integrative cardiologists are uh, doing uh, either research or they're working for a large institution and they can't do what I do. Um, as, as you mentioned before, most doctors actually right now are hired by corporations. So um, my practice is in uh, beautiful Monmouth County, New Jersey. I'm about an hour and 20 minutes outside of New York City, about an hour and a half from Philly. I've been getting patients from uh, uh, you know, several states surrounding New Jersey, uh, and my practice is open to new patients, um, and um, I love taking care of patients. You know, my passion is has always been clinical medicine, and now it's also teaching. For the last 10 years or so, I, I'm teaching other doctors, and hopefully we'll get more of us like yourself and myself out there uh, to make people healthier again. <laughs> well, that's great. You know, I think it's also important that because of your rigorous uh, cardi- training in cardiology, uh, you won't miss the boat on, you know, more serious uh, problems. You know, I think it's, I, with due respect to, you know, some of the, the nutritional chiropractors out there and, you know, medical nutritionists uh, who are not uh, specifically trained in a medical subspecialty, uh, you know, they could do great work, but someone with a, maybe a serious underlying heart problem or perhaps a problem that's not yet been disclosed, uh, it might be beneficial to really get uh, a, a deeper dive from a doctor like yourself. Right, right. And then they can always go back to work with their nutritionist and their chiropractor. And, uh, you know, I, I could hand off care once, you know, they're evaluated or... Although uh, my patients seem to like me. They keep coming back, so okay. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. <laughs> That's a good deal. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Vivian Caminos, for joining oh, us. Thank you. I'm Dr. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site. It's safe, secure, 
and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.